and the banging and the booming. That means it's Thursday. That means it's time for the topspeed.com podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to our wonderful Thursday show. Like always, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about crazy, cool, fast, and awesome automobiles. We'll probably get on wild tangents and talk about nothing that's related to cars in any way a few times too, but hey, welcome. I am Christian Moe, and I'm happy to have you here. Joining us today is our editor-in-chief over at TopSpeed.com, Mr. Justin Coupler. Hello, Justin. Hey, everybody, and I have two words, holy Los Angeles. Well, that's three words, actually. <laughs> Los Angeles. It has officially blown up. <laughs> or... What the hell was that? I don't know. Uh, if you've seen the new Disney animated movie Big Hero Six, um, that'll that'll make make sense. Great movie, by the way. No, we're not we're not children, so we don't. Yeah, see you know, we we both it's have young children. Movie. Movie. Great movie. You know what? You both have children. Go see. I them know. Movie. We haven't seen them. Isn't that kind of bad? <laughs> no, it's because you have children, so you never go anywhere because that means you have to take them. Yeah, Redbox is a yes, great thing. Exactly. Oh yeah, Redbox, Netflix, all the way. <laughs> All right. Also joining us is Mr. Mark McNabb. Hello, Mark. What's up, guys? That was. I don't have an intro. Anticlimactic. Yes. Yeah. Short <laughs> and sweet. We got to get to the point today. We got a lot of crap to cover. We do have a lot of crap to cover. So, get your coffee ready and let's get moving. Uh, let's start with our. Oh wait. First, thank you guys for sending us questions again. We have questions this week. So yay, that's awesome. Also, um, tomorrow should be. There will be a post up on the Webby site about these things. These are these are video games. They're F1 2014. I have 12 of them, and we're giving away all 12 of them. So if you like racing video games, like I have a whole box full. <laughs> like, well, I have a whole bunch of them. Well, there you <laughs> go. So if you guys want some. I'm going to have those to give away very soon, so pay attention to this website tomorrow to learn how to win. If them crashing and banging on the floor broke them, sorry, no warranty. Yeah. You know what? It, it, if, that, broken in half. if that did break, actually, and I ship it to you and it's broken, just let me know, and I'll call Codemasters and we'll get you a new one. So how about that? I will supply a warranty. All right. Uh, let's jump into Weekly Wheels. Uh, we're going to start with Mark, who's been driving a car, four doors, almost 300 horsepower. Rawr. But it's a Chrysler 200. I made it sound uh, good to start with, though. Yeah, you did. And it's got all-wheel drive. And a nine-speed transmission. 
which is ridiculously stupid. Um, yeah, so overall, I like the car. I will say that. I like the 3.6 Pentastar. It's a great engine. I like that it's all-wheel drive. I like the interior. I like the way it looks, actually. Um, overall, it's a nice car. I do have some complaints on, number one, the 9-speed transmission. Um, I like the 8-speed, the ZF, that's in basically every other Chrysler car, but this just, it's only one more gear, but it's too much. Uh, it just takes a long time to shift, takes a long time to downshift if you're, you know, if you peg it. Um, it just, it doesn't seem finished, almost, like the programming's not quite there yet. And, um, and I don't know, I just, it didn't appeal to me that much. Also, the interior has this weird, because it, it's the, the 200S, the Sport, it has this weird blue tint leather, and it's on the dash, it's on the seat, center console, that just... It does not appeal to me at all. You don't like so, blue leather? No. Yeah, okay. I mean, this is like Lamborghini blue leather. It's terrible. It's like so. almost this, this Pugot I had a couple years back, like a Pugot 508 or something like that. It had all blue leather everywhere and it's the ugliest thing ever. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so it reminds me of my childhood youth when my church used to have this Ford Econoline van with blue vinyl seats. It was like an 86 edition. I know exactly that's what man you're talking about. <laughs> that's what this reminds me of. Okay, like the Ford Club Wagon Econo line. That's yep. what this. It's what it reminds me of. Ouch. My yeah. '65 Ford. Yeah, my '65 Ford had those same blue vinyl seats. Yep. <laughs> oh, and the worst is when those things crack and you're wearing shorts. Oh. Uh. Well, I. These were cloth seats with leather. Um, bolstering. So it was cloth in the center and leather on the outside. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, that was just a preference thing. Some people might like that. Um, my biggest complaint uh, of the interior, though, was the sound deadening. It was a quiet car when you're driving it, but when you turn the radio on and it had this you know, expensive radio in it, it was like a, um, I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. remember. It doesn't matter. It was a, it was a banging stereo. Anyway, the whole thing would shake. Uh, the, the passenger side A pillar would buzz, the trunk would buzz, and like it just sounded terrible. Like, dude, man, I that got, means you got a good system when you're rolling down the road and it goes. Yeah, yo. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's. So like the stereo was okay, but it was just outmatched. It outmatched the car completely. Um, you know, otherwise I like the car and I think it's a it's a good it's definitely a good step in the right direction from the 200 of yesteryear. What a terrible car. Um, you mean, so, I mean the Sebring. The Sebring, yeah. The Sebring slash the Sebring. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is a far and away a better a better product than that, and I like it. Um, it just – I think it needs a little bit more refinement in a couple areas, um, and it would make it a, a much better car. Okay, so. so I didn't – or I was not aware that they actually sold that in an all-wheel drive model, so that's interesting. Um, yeah. My, my mother's got a 2013 model. She's got – one of the higher-end decked-out limited trims, whatever, with the leather and the navigation and the sunroof and all that stuff. And she's got that Pen that, that Penistar and the old 8-speed. And you're right, that 8-speed's a pretty solid little auto box. I like them. Um, to be honest, like, with that transmission and that engine, there's almost no car that can be bad. You could have cars that aren't great, but with that engine and trans combo, like, you can put it in anything, and it'll be more than bearable. So I'm 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 happy that Chrysler has products like that, but it's a little sad to hear that the nine-speed is worse. 
Yeah, it just it doesn't seem like it's quite as fully baked as the eight speed. So, isn't the nine speed an in-house product, or is it also a, a ZF box? You know, I don't want to speak on that. I I think it's a ZF, but I don't want to say. Um, okay, because I mean, if it was an yeah, in-house box, really that would make that would explain sense. it. Yeah. 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 The other thing I had about the interior that was really weird was the gauge cluster looks beautiful. But in the daytime, it doesn't matter where you like try to adjust yourself to see. There's always a glare on it. Uh, yeah, it sucks. Oh, and yeah, the uh, the nine speed is a ZF box. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, come on, ZF, get your stuff together. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just um, think they're going a little bit crazy with the highway miles per gallon. when their RPMs are like 500 when you're going 70. So. Yeah, I mean, and my just, thing is they like, just buy a diesel. Yeah, and my thing is like, why don't you stick to a seven speed? And then make that last gear just super high, super tall. right? And, and and you know you're not having to cram nine gears in a transverse mounted uh, transaxle, saving weight, saving complexity, saving cost. I mean, all you have to do is make the ratio higher. Well, right. I think that's I, been I, my. Go I ahead, think Justin. one of the issues might be the the step down when you're going to go past someone. If you're going from a super tall gear. And then down to a passing gear that's shorter, significantly shorter. I mean, that can cause some serious ruckus when you're trying to pass someone. So that might be why they're not doing it. Well, but in all of these cars, but well, in all these cars that I've been in, there's not the sudden step. But if I go to pass somebody with like an eight-speed box, it still downshifts 47 times to get me to third freaking gear, so I can pass yeah. pass somebody anyways. Yeah. So it just takes longer because I have to go. Gah, 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 gah. Well, not everybody's passing like they're driving an F1 car either, Christian. I don't pass <laughs> like I'm driving an F1 car, but it's like so. If you have an eight-speed box, it's like five, six, seven, and eight are all super tall overdrive gears for fuel economy. So if you want any sort of power, you've got to downshift all the way to the lower end of the box again. True. Yeah. Um, like uh, so, the Volvo. I I was driving a Volvo this week. It's it's an eight-speed. Um, at 70 miles an hour, the difference between 8th gear and 7th gear is like 400 RPMs. Like, that's it. There's mm-hmm. nothing there. Yeah. So it's like if I really wanted to pass somebody, I had to downshift a couple of gears. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and another complaint about this 9-speed, if I got on flat ground at 70 miles an hour and put the cruise control on, it would be in 8th gear. And that really ticked me off. I would have to shift to 9th, and it would drop the RPMs down to a reasonable level. Well, to like 1,200. Instead of fourteen hundred, but it was like, I'm cruising. Why aren't you in ninth gear? Um, that actually could be a fuel uh, fuel economy thing, based on because an engine has like a sweet spot. Yeah, I mean and that's so true. So with the amount of power you're producing at fourteen hundred RPMs versus twelve hundred RPMs, the power difference might be enough to let the car move on its own easier, and that's actually mm-hmm. saving you fuel, which is how they tune all that crap. But yeah, if if you're going seventy five miles an hour and your car is still not in top gear, you don't need the top gear. Yeah. You don't. I just... Well, as, as, I, always, as I always harp on, um, I think as we see these, these extended gear transmissions get more and more common and technology gets shared more amongst all the manufacturers, we're going to see more of these step-style transmissions like what BMW does, where it, can, where it can shift between gears. You don't have to go down five gears to hit their gear. It'll just go from eighth to fourth or eighth to third, and you don't have to jump down all those gears. So I think I think eventually we'll see that. But I still think it's still mostly pointless. Like, it really 
my golf, I can live with three gears, even though I've got six. Like, all I need is first, third, sixth. That's it. Like, yes, I will lose a little bit of performance and a little bit of fuel economy, but I can just live with three. So, like, if I had an extra gear, if I had one more extra gear that was just an obnoxiously tall over overdrive gear, like, that's all I would need. And that's all 99% of any car needs. You just need six gears. Really, you could do with four or five, but get, get your six gears that are your standard, you know, on town up to highway speed and give you a sixth gear that's short enough that you can actually do a little bit of light passing if you needed to. And then just give you an obnoxiously tall seventh gear to go the fuel economy route. Yeah. Heck, my dad's Corvette's got three speeds. <laughs> so, right? And it's just fine. It works just fine. All right. Anyways, we'll go on and talk about my, my Volvo. Um, yeah, I want to hear about that. I was in the 2015 and a half, which is important. The half is important. Um, S60 sedan. So um, in almost every way, it's nearly identical to the XC60 SUV I had a few weeks weeks ago. Um, even down to like the exterior color. I think the X60 was white, and this is like an almost white silver. Um, but it's the T6 Drive E, uh, which means that even though it says T6 on the back, it has a 2-liter turbo that's supposed to be the fuel-efficient engine. And um, it's a solid little car for the most part. Um, I honestly don't know if I liked it as much as I liked the XC60. Because they're almost identical... But the XC60 is, like, bigger and taller, so there were some things that I forgave the SUV for that I don't want to give this a damn for. So um, my sedan had some options. I had a beautiful-looking 18-inch alloys that came with, like, a sports handling package. So I had the world's tiniest little connecting rod across the top of the suspension towers. I mean, it was half the diameter of a dime. It said R design on it. Um, but, like, the sort of wibbly-wobbly handling that the SUV had that I'm like, well, it's an SUV, the sedan has almost the same suspension setup, so it feels the same sort of way, and it's kind of wayward and kind of twitchy. That's not good. Um, it's 300 horsepower, front-wheel drive, so obnoxious torque steer, and the torque steer that was bad in the SUV is even worse in the sedan because the sedan weighs less. So the wheel's just fighting you everywhere you go. Um... But still incredibly beautiful. Like it's it's so well designed. Every shape, cut and curve on that car, I just adore. The interior is beautiful. It had these great leather sculpted buckets. Steering wheel felt great. All the controls are laid out perfectly. I had that beautiful frameless rearview mirror again. Like all that stuff is good. And I'm just like, but it's not any better than the SUV, even though I've lost a few, you know, inches in width and I'm like a foot lower and all that sort of stuff. It just didn't feel inherently better or sportier than the crossover, and that sort of bothers me. Um, also, I had the same issue I had with the crossover where fuel economy on the sticker says 35 MPG highway, 24 city, and 28 combined. Um, I put it in Eco Plus mode, and I babied the hell out of it for like a 35-mile highway journey just to see how far I could stretch that number. And I only got to like 34.2 or something. So being as careful as possible in the like most eco-friendly mode the car has, I couldn't hit that 35-mile-per-gallon highway number. I just, I just couldn't do it. And it comes down to this idea of, yes, the 2-liter is small, 
but it's got a turbo on it the size of my head to make that 300 horsepower. So anytime you give it any sort of gas at all, it just swallows fuel. Do you um, have a boost gauge at all? No. I, I mean, there might be one somewhere. There's like a million settings inside of that car that you can access via the LCD screen. Um, including one, I will say, the car was terrible when I got it. Like, the worst thing in the world. And then while digging through the settings, I found a steering force button. And, and so I took the steering from suck to sucks way less. Um, so that helped. Like, when I first got it, like, you could breathe on the steering wheel and the car would flip a, three, uh, a 360. I mean, it just, the steering was obnoxiously light. And so anytime I'm driving anywhere, if I hit a bump, like, I was fighting the wheel the whole time and the car felt really loose and wobbly. Once I got the steering dialed back up to a higher force, um, was a lot better. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's a boost gauge somewhere that I was just missing. Yeah. But, yeah. I, yeah. Well, I was going to say, that that really helped me fuel economy-wise uh, in a car that I was just in. That was the STI. Because I watched that boost gauge, and I didn't I didn't let it get into boost uh, when I was trying to conserve fuel. So, But in boost is where you want to be all the time. Oh, yeah, of course. I don't think, I don't think my Miata ever comes out of boost. <laughs> Second gear, it's 60 miles an hour. <laughs> I might have been doing a little bit of that in the STI. Yeah, seven <laughs> MPG, a little bit. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in just a second. Because actually, that's going to be your weekly wheels next week, isn't it? It sure is. So we're gonna have we're, we're gonna share weekly wheels stories. Ooh. Um, but yeah, the thing I do have to give the S60 is it's fairly reasonably priced. Um, mine, after all the options, which includes all of the safety systems. So I've got blind spot monitoring, and I've got the, like, can't crash into people thing and radar-guided cruise control with, like, 900,000 distance settings and um, parking assist and driver awareness. It tells if you're going to sleep and it makes noises. And I even have a lane-keeping assist. And this isn't, like, the obnoxious thing that beeps when you go over, over the line. It'll actually nudge the car back in slightly. That's cool. Yeah, I've always liked I that. I can't beeping. stand the beeping thing. No, the beeping is the worst thing in the whole wide world. I hate that. Especially here in, like, Tennessee where all the roads like, this big and the lines are roughly painted. And so the car can't see the lines usually. So it, like, picks out things that it thinks is a line and it's just, like, where they've repaved the road, like, over itself. And so then it starts beeping because you're just driving in the middle of the road. Yeah, they're terrible. But, um, so, yeah, the little lane keep assist is kind of cool. I fiddled with that a little bit. I still ended up turning most of those systems off because they annoy me. But I, I like that they're there. But despite all of that stuff and my 300-horsepower turbocharged engine... Um, thing was forty six grand, so that's about a thousand dollars more than the Avalon hybrid that I had a few weeks ago. Um, it's like four thousand dollars more than the Avalon gasoline model, um, but I averaged like twenty eight miles to the gallon, so I got almost a combined rating out of it. Um, and I think it's extremely nice inside. It is nice to drive once I got things sorted out. It's just as nice as the other guys to drive. Um, I like it better than like the Lexus ES. This is slightly cheaper than a Lexus ES. Um, it is a little bit smaller than those cars, but if I was going to buy a luxury front-wheel drive car in that forty to forty-five thousand dollar range, like this would probably be the one I'd take home. Um, I like the way the engine responds the best. I like the way it looks the best. I like the seats the best. I like the interior technology the best. Um, it's not as fuel efficient. It is slightly more expensive. But I would sacrifice the gas price and a little bit of the wallet hit to have the car that I felt was nicer to look at and be in. Hmm. All so right. it's not a great car, not a terrible car. Oh, it does have that 
Volvo on-call thing, though, which is the coolest thing ever. I have an app on my phone, and I can track it via GPS. I can f- open it up and see what my dash is, if I have any warning lights, how long until I need a f- oil change. I can lock the doors from anywhere I have signal, and the car has signal to the satellites. I can start it that that way, like all that sort of stuff. It's really cool. It'd be uh, funny to mess with the next press guy to... The lock is doors. <laughs> thought about it. To be completely honest, it's, the thought has crossed my mind. Uh, but um, one thing that did slightly annoy me ab- about that is I can remote start it with the app. Cannot remote start it with the key fob. Oh, that stinks. That's weird. Yeah, yeah there is no remote start button on the, on the key fob. I have to do it in the app. The app does give you settings, though. You can set how long you want it started from one minute to 15 minutes in one-minute increments. So you'd be like, I want the car to be started for eight minutes today. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's just sort of interesting that they like give me all that adjustment. But yeah, that's my general rough verdict of it. It's a solid buy. I like it. Um, I think it's probably better than the competitors in that same general segment if you don't need the extra space and you don't mind spending a little bit more on gas. Hmm. Cool. Well, let's get into some news. You mean the good stuff. Yes. The good stuff. All right, let's start with the big one. Justin, please tell me about the awesome, awesome, yes. awesome, oh my gosh, super awesome, I want to have sex with an ATSV. <laughs> wow, okay. Um, yeah, so after that nice little leak, uh, uh, Cadillac decided to stay the course. They didn't do the thing like so many manufacturers do. Okay, it's leaked here, here you go. Um, they held the course, they waited to LA and released the ATSV, and oh my God, is it everything that it seemed like it was going to be, and then a little bit more. Um, we, we got a video beforehand that we roughly timed three of us, myself, Christian, and Cyprian, tested it with our stopwatches and came out at like 3.5 seconds roughly from zero to 60. Um, it turns out, though, we were a little bit off there as I kind of figured it was kind of a fifth number on the video. It turns out it's 3.9 seconds to 60, which is still as fast as an M3 and M4. So and also an as fast as a Corvette. Yep, as fast as a Corvette. And here's the really NZO. cool part. And since it's not German, it has 100, 185 mile per hour top speed. That's yep. even better. And because it's not German, it comes with three pedals. Yes, yes. <laughs> manual transmission with no lift shift and rev matching. She so just buried the pedal in the carpet and just slammed through gears as you dang well please without having to worry about it. Oh, I'm so excited about this car. And when they said, uh, and they were actually close under horsepower numbers, they said more than 450 horsepower, more than 440 pound-feet of torque, ended up five over each one. So you're at 455 horse, uh, 445 pound-feet. Um, the, 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 the torque comes in a little high for, for a turbo. You usually expect somewhere in like the 2000 range. It's up at 3500, uh, which is a little high for the modern turbos. Um, still though, I mean, that 3.9 seconds is awesome. The, tr- the, uh, the chassis seems kind of similar to what, um, what BMW did with the, uh, with the M, except they didn't remove all of the bushings. They left <laughs> some of them in there. So you're not going to get metal on metal clanging while you're going over a cobblestone road. But they are significantly stiffer. The entire chassis is about 25% stiffer than the ATS, which is 50% stiffer than everything else in its class. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a pretty dang good chassis. Um, you know, pricing's still out there. Most people are saying around 55 grand. That sounds about right. It's going to come in just under the M's. Probably. I'd say I'd say they're 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 going to shoot for like a three to five grand price gap between the M. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with every V model, you know, it's not the best-looking car in the world because, you know, Cadillacs was, to me, to me, Cadillac, V Cadillacs looked like they said, okay, guys, just put a splitter Justin. on it, put a front splitter on it, put Justin. a front on it. What? Justin, Let you me are guess. removed from your position. You are fired. Hey, yeah, I'm just thinking about it. 
I'm speaking my I'm not saying it's ugly. I'm not saying it's ugly. I'm I will saying. say that the CTSV I was sort of iffy on the styling. The ATSV is the most beautiful machine to come from Cadillac in 50 years. The coupe the coupe looks okay. I let, the coupe is decent. The sedan looks weird to me. I'm sorry. I, I disagree. I, I like that too. See, I think I th- I just think it looks I'm not saying it's ugly. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying it looks almost forced, but I know it's all there for a purpose. I know everything's functional. It's not there just to look good. All yeah, I'm so glad that manufacturers have moved away from these crappy like Buick portal things. It's like, oh, let's slap this thing on the car. Oh, look, look at our giant non-functional hood scoop. Yeah, yeah, like now everything is like, no, this came from our racing division, and it worked, and it pulls heat out of the engine, and you know it increases downforce. Everything works on these cars nowadays, and that is so fantastic. I think that is yeah. amazing. I still remember the Mustangs from like the early 2000s had a big hood scoop on the front, but it was just a big hunk of plastic. plastic. Oh yeah, those were terrible. <laughs> but but don't get me wrong, and I'm not saying it's ugly. I'm not. I'm just saying with the V's, I sometimes fe- it sometimes feels as if they're forced. Although I know they did it for purpose. I'm just I'm just explaining that maybe the M is a little forced. What I don't understand. Say explain yourself. Okay, I'm just saying that the styling of the ATS. Okay, in my opinion, my personal opinion, it in just your looks wrong like- opinion. Hey, if you think I'm wrong, then so be it. <laughs> That's the beauty of opinions. But I think it just looks – it doesn't quite look in place on this. Like with the M's, they didn't make them outrageous with the body kits. They restyled the front end a little bit. They, they, they restyled the back end a little bit. This, it looks like it's just, hey, here's a whole bunch of stuff we got from a, uh, a Jegs catalog. <laughs> don't say that. Come on, man. This thing is beautiful. Look at yeah. it. It's a good-looking car. I just, I just, I prefer the look of the M. I guess I prefer more the classic look. I don't know. That sharp center black piece on the lower grill and that yeah. hood scoop. Oh man, it is awesome. And yeah, from like thing almost complete profile, like like that one shot that they gave out. That's kind of a three-quarter, but it's mostly pro the profile shot. Mm-hmm. You can see that awesome LED cut in the uh, headlight. That yeah. comes up and creates a crease, and it just follows it all the way down the car to the real tail. Like, oh, it's beautiful. See, yeah. I kind of went, I kind of went backwards on this car. Typically, when a new car comes out, um, I don't like it at first, and I start liking it more. This one, I kind of, I loved it when it first came out. I thought it was beautiful, but the more I look at it, the more I'm just picking out little things here and there that just, just look awkward to me. Yeah. Like I said, if if I was to give this car any complaint, it would be the nose looks a little bit like the SS um, sedan. I was thinking the same Possibly thing, like, especially in that that real front three quarter view. That yeah. lower air dam looks a lot like the SS. But like that's the but only. That's not a bad thing, right? And that's like the only thing. Like yeah, it looks kind of like another sedan. Otherwise, I think yeah. it's stunning. But yeah. I, it may be completely different if I see it in person. There's so many cars that we see in pictures and yeah. we don't like. Like everyone thinks the Porsche Pan- Panamera is gone awful ugly in pictures. You see it in person. That car looks terrible in photos. Yeah, you see yeah. it in person. It's completely different. It's it's actually a good looking yeah. car. So well, I don't know about that, but my only thing with this car is I I kind of wish it had Alcantara steering wheel and and shift knob. Uh, you know that'll be an option. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I hope so. That and the gauge cluster. I don't know what what Cadillac's doing with their their analog gauges. They just need to throw those away and go with the full digital, like in the CTS. Uh, the optional package in the CTS. It just looks so much better. Um, the car is the whole car and the interior as a whole is so angled and so detailed, and there's all these intricate uh, cuts and angles. And then the gauge cluster is flat, with flat numbers and, like, flat plain needles. And it just... Ah, it's such a letdown. So, 
I can see that, but from like a usability standpoint, I love that it's a black gauge with crisp white letters and bright red needles. Like, it's super, super easy to see, and it's very familiar. I mean, like, there's a reason that Porsche still uses analog gauges in everything that they well, have. Well, yeah, analog they gauges work. are fine, and they're great, but I think these could have been designed a little bit better because, honestly, they remind me of an of a early 2000s Buick. <laughs> well, it's still a GM product, I guess. Yeah, um, there's still going to be some of that stuff, unfortunately. Just going just gonna to say it. Least, I do have to say, I need GM to send me one of these cars immediately because I have a friend, a good, actually the, the best, the best man at my wedding who lives in Texas, um, just bought an M4, and um, I want to take this down to Texas and show him how he made the worst decision ever. <laughs> this is a beautiful car. It really is. And I'm just thinking, he lives in Dallas, which isn't too far from Austin, which is where Circuit of the Americas is, so I should make some phone calls to the COTA people and try and get some track time, and I will show him just how silly and slow his little German machine is compared to this badass piece of American awesome. Okay, quick question for you guys. Okay, we saw the spy shots long ago that had the uh, the vertical slats on the uh, grill. Which one do you guys like better? Do you prefer the vertical slats, or you think they did the right thing with the uh, the, the honeycomb? The honeycomb. I thought the vertical slats looked awful in every way. Okay, yeah. so we will agree I on think that I think it looks like a train cow catcher. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay, then we all agree on that one. Because I heard yeah. some people saying, "Oh my God, I wish I would have left those things." I think they were god awful ugly. Yeah, and our I rendering of it when we put them on there, it looked terrible. Yeah. yeah. Not a fan. But you know, over time, maybe this car will grow back on me, and I think it's absolutely gorgeous again. And if I had sixty thousand dollars in my bank and it was in front of me, I'd probably still buy it. So, and it's like, like, like that's the thing. For the same price as the Corvette, and it's got almost the same level of performance. Like, I just four seats, mm -hmm. real luxury, held a lot more comfortable. I mean, I'm just like ooh. magnetic ride. Mm -hmm. Yeah, PTM modes, launch control. Like, yeah, this reminds just, me a lot of the ZL1. I mean, it is, but it's a cheaper, better version. Yeah. Now I'm curious if it's if, like the Corvette. It's it's a better version of a Corvette. <laughs> I'm curious if this chassis can actually hold all-wheel drive. That'd be nice. Hmm. Okay, let's not now. Why? Oh, well, what's wrong with that? My thing is, my thing is, this is what the new Camaro is going to be based on too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? Let's let's move on from this piece of American muscle and talk about more American muscle, um, because we have. Flat, uh, plain crank V8 goodness um, from the Mustang GT350, which is awesome in every way as well. America is just nailing it these these days, guys. Because um, you were saying like, oh, it's got awesome V8 and a manual transmission, a magnetic ride control, and uh, now the Mustang has all of these things as well. Ford has finally, 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 totally, officially, finally unveiled the new Shelby GT350 Mustang, and it is everything we had hoped for and more. It is the most powerful, naturally aspirated V8 Ford has ever built for a road for a road car. It is the first Ford machine to ever use magnetic suspension, like Ferrari uses in the 458 and Cadillac uses in the CTSV and Chevy uses in the Z06 Corvette. Um... It's the first flat plane crank V8 from Ford for a road road car, which essentially 
makes it the same kind of engine that a lot of Ferraris used to use, and it's yeah. basically a race car engine. Um, and it's just... There are videos out there. I think we've got a couple of them on the site. You have to find them and listen to them. This is the meanest-sounding thing in the entirety of the world. Like, like nothing else sounds like this machine. And um, it has more than 500 horsepower and more than 440 pound-feet of torque. All so, is right in the world. Right. And it comes with three pedals. In fact, that's the only trans transmission. And it comes with a special Ford-tuned Torsen Limited slip rear. So, like, those are all the things that you could, if you were just a person going to build a car, like, oh, I'm going to use suspension like we get in a Ferrari, and I'm going to give it a race car flat plane V8, and uh, it's got to have three pedals, of course. Oh, you know what? A Torsen Limited slip diff. That sounds great. And then Ford just went, all right, here you go. Like, like, that's essentially what has happened. And um, I just, I want to drive this thing so badly. And I, I have to say that this is the best looking of the Mustangs, in my opinion. Because I think the the front dam just does so much, or the front uh, bumper just does so much more for the, the shape of the Mustang. Because the, the base Mustang, it still looks good, but it doesn't look, it's just missing something. And I think this lower dam just does a whole lot for well, it. Well, it's not just the front bumper. Like, the whole front end of the car. The like open grill, everything. Everything, well, the entire car is different from the mm -hmm. doors forward. is completely unique. The hood is, like, two inches lower. Um, it's lower down and tighter on the outside edges by the fenders, where the fenders kick up is yeah. stiffer. Uh, the front end is actually a little bit shorter. Basically, they took the engine and bolted it to the front of this Mustang and said, make the body work as absolutely small as humanly possible to fit around the engine and the tires. Like, that's it. And yeah, everything is more aggressive, so there's big heat extractors on the hood now. There's this yeah. awesome front lip. Uh, the whole bodywork on it is just huge and it's angry and there's giant openings for brake coolers and there's oil coolers that you can get for this thing and there is uh, a special rear bot or there's a special body under tray that forces air into an optional rear diffuser cooler or I mean a, a rear diff cooler like this is a legitimate track car like this is a focused at the Z06 focused at the Camaro Z Z28 like this is a dominate racetracks Mustang. And it is the best thing in the universe. Yeah. If you look at our, on our uh, the site, our review on it, you can actually see the side-by-side. -side and the differences are really striking between the two. And the whole front end just kind of shrinks in around itself. It's really neat. I really love um, right under our drivetrain piece, there's a direct full-on shot of the nose. Mm -hmm. You can really see how sharp and cut the fenders are now and where the hood oh, yeah. is. And, I mean, it just makes this thing look angry and hateful. And I like that it's got black stripes because those add 10 horsepower. And the pony's <laughs> gone. And instead of the pony, yeah, and the and and the the big pony's gone at the center. They've got just a little Shelby badge over on the side, and it's just yeah, it's clean uh, and it's stunning. And mm. yeah, it looks really good. I just wish they would have made the entire lineup that that slope down front and just looks so much better, so much yeah. better. Also, I believe this uses more aluminum, so it weighs mm. less. I mean, oh, uh, it's wider track also. The front wheels are wider apart for better handling. Like, yeah. everything that you could do to make this thing handle better, they've done. And the brakes, it has 15 and a half inch brake rotors on the front end. Isn't that ridiculous? Oh goodness. Like, that is the second most ridiculous set of brakes I have ever seen on a car. Yeah. I mean, my first car had 15 inch wheels. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
the brakes on this, though, are not as ridiculous as the brakes on a car we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, the new Audi Prologue concept. Oh, isn't that beautiful? That has 20-inch carbon ceramic rotors. My <laughs> God. Wow. My, those are like $300 a piece. <laughs> no, 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 no. Try like $3,000 a piece. My God. You could stop a space shuttle with those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like... I, to hear to hear how much these uh, you know carbon ceramic rotors cost for you know some of these upcoming cars, it's crazy. But to imagine the twenty inches, that's right. It's crazy. The good thing though is if you don't track them, they will last the life of the car. Actually, they mm -hmm. will last longer than the car, so they never have to be be replaced. Yeah, yeah that's good to know. Yeah, um, let's talk about more fun stuff that's not as fast. Um, Mark. Discuss with me what would be the best family hauler for someone looking for a small crossover. Well, if I was looking for something that was fun and sporty and good-looking and you know, didn't cost too much, you know, maybe had some decent, uh, you know, decent power to it, and maybe I'd, get, you know, numbers. yeah, maybe I, maybe I'd get the Mazda CX-3 because it is brand new and it looks fantastic. Mazda, it's beautiful. Mazda knocked this one out of the park. I love the way this looks. It looks really cool. Um, A-pillar weirwood, it looks kind of like the Lexus NX. Kind of that real, real like, hunchy, like, you know, aggressive, sporty look. Um, this thing has big wheel arches. It's got a big, flat uh, nose to it. And it's a real sloping hood, uh, real bubbly uh, greenhouse to it. I, it just looks really, really cool. Um, the back end looks really sporty. It's got dual exhaust, big tires, big wheels. So yeah, I mean this thing really—I don't know—they just it looks right. And that new Kodo front front end that they're putting on everything, I just yeah, love. it just it just works really well. Plus, you can get this with all-wheel drive, so it's either front or all-wheel drive. And we know that it's coming with that two-liter Skyactiv engine. It's going to be a four-cylinder. Um, we don't know the horsepower yet, but that is the same engine that is in like the Mazda three. So in that application, it makes 155. And the, and the Miata. Yeah, and the Miata. So 155 horsepower and 150 pound-feet of torque. So while that doesn't sound like a lot, um, weight in this car should be in check. It should have gone on a diet before it goes to production. So, you know, it probably will do all right. So expect maybe like a seven-second uh, zero to 60 run. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't expect this thing to weigh more than two or 300 pounds more than a Mazda 3 hatch. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's a light little car, unibody frame. Um, so Mazda's pretty good about cutting weight. So I think uh, I think we're, we're going to be cool on that. On the interior, is really interesting as well. The dash has a unique look to it. Um, it's got that three binnacle gauge cluster thing, kind of like what you'd find on, like, the CX-9. Then it has these three round air vents with the fourth being a rectangular vent stuck on the passenger side. It's really strange. I don't know why they didn't add a fourth round vent, yeah. but there it is. And it's got this iPad-looking uh, um, infotainment screen on the dash. That's kind of where everybody's going these days. And, you know, it has three real knobs for the HVAC system, and we like that. Yes, we do. Yep. So, you know, it looks really, really cool. Um, Mazda thought about how the interior is designed really well because they made the rear seats closer together and higher up so they can see out uh, kind of above the uh, the drivers. It's got a little stadium seating going on. 
and um, it should be pretty comfortable. So. Yeah, I've done I've done a lot of Mazdas lately. The 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 three, the six, the in the in uh, the CX five, and every single one of them has the exact same thing. They all have extremely nice interiors. Uh, it's something that uh, Mazda's done a really good job with, making nice and quiet and comfortable. <clears throat> so yes, CX three verdict. I give it ten out of ten. I approve. You yeah. actually approve of a small crossover? Look at it, and it's a Mazda, so it's actually going to sit lower than most cross crossovers, and it's going to. This is going to end up being a crossover, like the Mercedes is. GLA, and, yeah. Yeah, like the GLA is, and like the Juke is. It's a yeah. crossover in the sense that it's a really nice hatch that's got a two-inch lift on it. I'm gonna yeah, my thing is like I wish, yeah, I wish it had more power. Maybe they'll come out with a Mazda Speed version of it or something like that. Would be really cool, but um, you know, it just. I think it looks right. It's it's priced right. We're gonna guess it's around twenty thousand uh, dollars. Of course, that's for the front wheel drive. So I mean, you know, we're we're excited about it. I give it a, a eight out of ten until I drive it. So yeah, I give it a solid eight. This is one I told my wife. I said, you know what? I wish we would have waited on buying our car. <laughs> you can always trade. What you get for buying a Kia? Hey, don't make fun of my Kia. My Kia's been good to me. Hey, we're gonna see you in a Kia. <laughs> All right, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, Mark, we're going to stick with you, but I'm going to have a lot to say about this. <clears throat> oh, I know you are. <laughs> you know, just screw it. Just You go ahead. The Golf R variant, it, this is your car, Christian. Um, almost. Almost. If it was that new 268 horsepower diesel, I would be at the dealership now. <laughs> and it had a stick. Yes. Well, so here's the thing about the new Golf R that nobody seems to be talking about because Volkswagen's a bunch of evil, hateful people. Um, the Golf R, available right now, if you go to the Volkswagen website or the press site or anything, they talk about how it is this much money. Like they even the pricing announcement, it is this much money with the DSG transmission, and it will go this fast with the DSG transmission, and it will get this fuel economy with the DSG transmission. And then if you go look through the whole press release, down there at the bottom, they mention it is available as standard with a six-speed manual. <laughs> so they don't want you to know that you can get one that way, but you can. Um, that's for the normal Golf R. This Golf R variant is just a Golf R wagon. Uh, you guys probably remember a while back we had spy shots of what appeared to yep. be a Golf Sport wagon with huge, like, 19-inch alloys and stuff, and the big exhaust bombing around the Nürburgring, and we're like, this is a Golf R wagon. It is, and it's real, and it exists. And if you want to see it in the United States, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on whatever, go to your local VW dealership, and tell them that you like this thing. Because, officially, even though they brought this to L.A., this car is not for U.S. consumption. But... They brought it to L.A., and they revealed it in L.A. to gauge interest. If they get enough interest to show that they can at least make a little bit of money, this could show up. So it is a golf wagon, so you guys would know it as a Jetta Sport Wagon. They're getting rid of the Jetta Sport Wagon name, uh, and we're now getting a golf wagon. That is because North America Jettas are no longer built on the same platform that the golf is. So we're going to get a Golf Wagon, and it's a Golf R that needs 300 horsepower. It has a Haldex all-wheel drive system. So imagine a Subaru STI that is built really nice and has extra space. Yep. Yeah, I'd be I'd be a Volkswagen buying one. Yeah. <laughs> and I can and, actually I can rationalize it to my wife. <laughs> and it'll probably be cheaper uh, because I have an STI this week, 
And uh, mine is $39,000, and it doesn't even have navigation. I guarantee you a Golf R wagon would come in at about thirty-seven grand. Yeah. Because the Golf R is thirty-five, so give it a $2,000 price hike to get the long roof version. I want this, all of this, in yeah. every way. I'm just hoping they didn't bring it to L.A. just because, well, that's the last real major auto show of 2014. I hope they actually did bring it here to gauge interest. Um, rumor among the grapevine is that is the exact reason it's here. Just like a few years ago, Volkswagen brought over, or I guess it was in late 2012, Volkswagen brought over a Kermit the Frog green Golf GTD that was Eurospec, and they passed it around to journalists to let journalists drive it and to drum up some news to see if people were interested in buying a hot diesel version of Golf, which I want. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have to say, though, the interior of this thing looks fantastic. Like, if you just swapped out the badges, you would have no problem calling that an Audi. Right. Like, that's <laughs> always been the thing about uh, yeah. VW. And it has caused me issues with gauging cars because, yes, I have a Golf TDI, and it is a $26,000 Golf. But the interior in it, because I just have the cloth seats, is essentially identical to the interior you get in an $18,000 Golf. So you can get an $18,000 car that looks and feels as well-built as an Audi, and then someone brings me a $25,000 car with crappy interior. I beat on that thing because if Volkswagen can do it for $18,000, why can't you do it for $25,000? Yeah. I mean, it looks fantastic, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I still got to say about that. Uh, All right, let's move on. Um, you know, let's talk about F-types. <clears throat> so, hang on, do we have any questions or comments that's uh, popping up on people? You know? Nope, nothing nothing yet. I don't think we have a Hulti today. Oh, man. Yeah, that's two weeks he's missed us live. No, he was here last week. Well, I mean, two weeks so far. He was here last oh. week, but he was off the week before. Well... Two out of thirty-seven. We'll give him that. Uh, all right. He's I guess we. Enough. I guess we didn't go live until episode four, fourteen, but that's still two out of twenty-three. Yeah. I he's mean, on us. he's doing way better than five. Like he's he's <laughs> he's at like a ninety-six percent success rate here. We'll, he's still getting an A. Okay, we'll kill him. Um, but but let's talk about the F type because there are now like fourteen of them. Oh yes, actually, there's twelve of them. Uh, and the most awesomeness of them are the all-wheel drive. The fact that bringing the R to the convertible, and the fact that we're now getting a five or six-speed manual transmission in the V6 models, the V6 rear-wheel drives. Yes. So basically, what's your? I'm calling it now V6 S Roadster manual trans transmission. So basically, what they did, okay, the old F-Type V8 S convertible is gone. No more. No longer around. That's now replaced by the R. But then the R's are all all-wheel drive now, so you can't even get a rear-wheel drive V8 powered R. Kind of oh. strange. Kind of strange you did that, but. What happened was with the all-wheel drive system they put in, it delivers 100% of the torque to the rear wheels until you need it to change. Then it puts up to 50% to the front wheel. So it drives like a natural rear-wheel drive sports car and everyday driving. So it's not until you actually need that all-wheel drive that it goes away from the tail happiness of a typical F-Type, which is kind of nice. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but the – I got it. Sorry, my computer just crapped out on me. Hang on a second. <laughs> we can we can we can still hear you, so you're you're all good. Okay, sorry, I might computer completely locked up on me. But uh, the six-speed transmission is a ZF gearbox, as everybody else uses, and the manual's available in only the V6 models. So you have the 340 horsepower uh, base model and then the 380 horsepower uh, S model. 
So you get all kind of manual transmissions in those. And yes, like you said, the convertible S will be the most awesome one on the planet. Um, no word on pricing though. Um, where was it coming the first of no spring of 2015, probably get pricing sometime, uh, early next year, I'd say. Uh, but I don't expect too much of a hike. The big hike we're going to see is with the convertible since they got rid of the S, the V8 S you're not going to see a massive hike with the R, but, uh, all good things come from Jaguar all wheel drive. You'll love the, the three pedals, just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Yeah. It's so exciting. And the cool thing is, is we might actually see a small price drop for the v V6 models. Yeah, I didn't think about that, yeah. You know, I mean, not much, maybe like a $2,000 drop or like a $1,000 drop, but I could see them going, well, now that we have the manual trans transmission that's cheaper than the ZF8 8-speed auto, we'll just, you know, you'll, you'll pass that on because then that positions you even better in the market against some of your competitors. But I think what we're going to see, though, the issue with that is those, because, yes, they did drop it down to a manual, but now you're going to get the in-control suite, and you're also going to get the, the big, bad Meridian sound system. So that may actually offset each other, and you may just... Oh, and it may just break, just, just call yeah, it even. break it even, put the manual transmission in, but give you the high-end sound system and the in-control for free. All right. So probably going to break even, but you get a whole hell of a lot of nice stuff with it. All right. Um, oh, we're going longer than I thought we were. Yeah, okay, we're going to go ahead and speed things up. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about a Toyota, Merck. Yeah, so real quick, um, this is really, really cool, and I'm not big on the whole like green movement or whatever like this, but I have to give this props. It's the Toyota, and I hope I pronounce it right, Myra, and it is a fuel cell vehicle, and it, it is the best. one fuel cell vehicle that actually makes sense. Um, it's got a 300-mile range, and Toyota is offering free hydrogen, free hydrogen for three years. Um, now, the downside is uh, you can only buy this in some of the upstate New York-type areas and in California. And that the only, is, it re the only reason is because that's where the fuel is. Mm -hmm. So Toyota is investing a lot of money into actually building the infrastructure of the hydrogen tanks uh, so that way these cars can actually proliferate and come into the market. So, you know, we got some good news on that. Um, so the car costs, what, $57,000? But you get free fuel for three years. I and mean, there's going to be some federal credits also in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, that could bring, with the federal credits of thirteen grand, that brings the price to forty-five, $45,000 for a car that doesn't free fuel. And that comes with free fuel. And that's here's, a good deal to me. Here's something where I think Toyota was absolutely genius with, with that free fuel thing. Because right now, hydrogen is still expensive. Um, it, it's very expensive, actually. It's like 50 bucks to fill up a tank. Um, but... I think what they're doing is giving people free fuel for three years is giving it a chance for this infrastructure to build. They're going to get the free fuel, so now they want to buy the car because they don't have to pay 50 bucks to fuel it up. In yeah. three years, they might have enough infrastructure where it drops back down. Correct. Now, the, I have read uh, several things on the, the whole free fuel thing, and the reason that it is free is because technically there is not a proper way to measure the fuel as it comes out of the tank. So they cannot properly charge you for it. So what they're doing is they are, since there's not a standardized measure of charging people for the hydrogen, they're just going to give it to you. That's going to help, you know, boost the market. Oh, I can't buy a car with free fuel and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's that reason, but mainly it's they don't know how to charge for it. Yeah, because I was actually Oops. looking at a few a few of the stations that uh, that were selling the fuel, and it was like some were doing it by kilograms, some do it by gallon, some do it by... Yeah. Volume. I mean, there's all different ways of doing it. 
Um, but we're going to see this stuff get standardized. There's like 10 different ways it can make hydrogen pool from the pool from the air that we breathe, manufacture all stuff. It's also a byproduct of creating gasoline. So yeah. there are so many ways to make it. They just yeah. have to standardize it all. And my favorite thing about this car, get this, right? So it's got this 3.1 kilowatts per liter hydrogen electric motor, right? On a full tank of gas, this thing will power your house for a week. <laughs> Yeah, you can hook this to part. your house and it power your house for a week. So they get a zombie apocalypse, the power goes out. Hook I your want power this up, you're good to go. So, I, so here's the thing that that stresses how far we still need to take this hydrogen technology. It makes enough electricity to power your house for a week, and you can only go 300 miles. Well, your, your refrigerator, your your fridge doesn't run that far. Yeah, and so <laughs> your fridge is but 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 I'm just saying, if you think about the amount of gasoline it takes you to get 300 miles, in my Golf, I need four no six gallons of diesel to make it 300 miles. Well, I don't know. So. Sure that I'm sure yeah that's a discrepancy, but. You know, but I, I mean, when, if, when my fuel is free, it doesn't make, matter, right? But I mean, if 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 we can make that much electricity with one of these, you know, fuel fuel cells, like I don't see it taking an extremely long amount of time before we get really efficient motors. That that is now like a thousand mile fuel fuel source. Oh, sure. I mean, well, that would be great. All right. Anyways, we're moving on. Yeah. That's all. Audi Brennan. Prologue. Um. Big, huge, gigantic A8 sized two door coupe, like coupes are supposed to be, from Audi. Um, it is a design study that is going to pave the way forward, and it looks still like an Audi, but different from every other Audi. Um, I wrote the piece on this, and I, it's long. <laughs> <laughs> you think? <laughs> and, and I do think you guys should, should read that. Well, but so much has changed, and it's all so little. So the big thing you notice is on the front of this thing, it has a huge gaping grin that the Cheshire Cat would be jealous of. Um, so take Audi's little trapezoid grill, point the ends, and then stretch it the full length of the car. That's basically what they've, what they've done. Um, it's massive, and it looks way different and kind of cool and interesting in a weird, ugly way. Um, the little horizontal slats that are on all Audis, those have now been altered so that they're horizontal slats and they're nice and they're cut and they're chiseled. And then at the end, they break out into a pair. So you get this sort of cool little long dual tuning fork shape. Um, and then they've used that everywhere else on the car. So if you flip around to the rear, uh, it's got these huge square hips like they used to get on the old Audi or Quattro race, race car. Um, it still has those. It's got this great little duckbill spoiler that comes off the back trunk. It looks almost like an old Aston from the, from the rear. And then the taillights span the full length of the car in a really thin strip, and then they get real big, so it follows that same shape as the grill. Uh, the exhaust is the same way. There's a beautiful chrome trim that breaks out into a piece that's shaped in into the bumper, give you that exact same shape. The inside of the car has five LCDs. There's a huge LCD in the dash that's your display, the entire center dash is three LCDs that interact and play with each other, so that's how you control the entire car. Um, and so the passenger has their own LCD, and they can do things. We complain about not being able to enter in GPS in info by a, by a passenger. In this design they have set up, the passenger has their own screen, and they can set up the GPS info and then slide it over to your side of the dash to input a navigation point. When I saw that, I almost did cartwheels when I was editing. I was like, oh, please do yeah. this. Please, yes. 
the fifth LCD is directly in front of the shifter, and it's a flexible LCD. So when you turn off the car, it's laying flat. When you turn the car on, it curves up, and that's where all of your functions for like volume and temperature control and all that sort of sort of stuff is. And it's curved like that so that when you have your hand on the shifter, no matter where you want to reach the screen, it's the exact same distance from the shifter. So your finger can trace the entire screen without moving your hand from the from the shift. Yeah, look at that. And the steering wheel, uh, big and open with the interior piece of where the spokes are really, really thin. And the spokes also follow that same – there's a thin chrome line in the middle, and then they break out to be that same sort of design. has these super awesome 22-inch wheels that are just crazy and stunning. And again, they're a single spoke that break out into a Y at the end, and they're all twisted into a turbine-type shape inside of them. Like I said, we already mentioned 20-inch carbon ceramic discs in the front of this thing. Um, and it comes powered with a tuned version of the twin-turbo V8 that's in the Audi S- S8. And this one, um, it's tuned to 600 horsepower or so. 605. Yeah, so six, 605. Crazy. So, yeah. And, of course, it's got Quattro all-wheel drive. Um, so Audi's new design director is trying to make a big splash, and he's trying to change the way Audi does everything. Also, really cool headlights that are smaller and sharper, more angular, because they're all Matrix laser stuff, because laser headlights are freaking awesome. Laser. Laser. Um, oh, gosh, it's already 55 minutes. So um, also go to the site. You can check out Bentley has a new giant convertible that's going to be a Mulsanne convertible, even though they called it the grand convertible concept. Yeah. And we have spy shots of the Porsche Cayman GT4 that is essentially undisguised completely. So those are on the site. Go find them. Um, let's move to questions and answers. <laughs> Ooh, that was quick. <laughs> yes. Um, we have three questions, but really we only have two. So Paul Green asks, LA Auto Show! Some thoughts about this about cars this 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 year. What do you think about the ATSV coupe? Best thing I, ever built. I think we covered that. We're pretty much all in love. Yep. Yes. Uh, Witty Derek. What do you guys think about Ken Block's latest Jim Connor video? What was your favorite part? Um, so I had all kinds of favorite parts in the new Jim Connor video. If you guys haven't watched it, it's twelve minutes of just sex and noise. Oh. Um, so he has the new Mustang RTR Unicorn thing. Uh, it is a 65 Mustang shell, 800 horsepower, all-wheel drive rally car thing. Um, my two favorite parts is the start of the video and the lowrider. So the video starts. He is in this warehouse, and there's a chain strapped to the back of the car that's attached to a pneumatic release system, and he just floors it. And because he's chained to the wall, the car just sits there and spins until he fills this entire building with smoke, and he's holding on to this huge pneumatic release system like like, like you'd get on a remote control crane thing. And then after the building is filled with smoke, he just hits the button, and the chain drops, and he bolts out of this giant warehouse with just smoke everywhere. Um, and then there's a part where there is a lowrider who's doing one of the hydraulics guys who like does the bounces and he's just sitting there bouncing the car goosh goosh and as he bounces it Ken Block is drifting circles around this car and every time it goes up he drifts under the car he does it like four times it's the best thing ever yeah my favorite part I had to say I agree with you on the first part that was by far my favorite is just all four wheels lighting up just blowing smoke that was just freaking awesome and I like the part in the uh, in the, in the LA tunnel the LA river part I think yeah. that's pretty cool I thought that was awesome it's always in video games like like I think GTA you were able to go down there what was the LA tunnel LA ch- canal, canal yeah. um, and it was pretty cool to see him go down there and do a little little uh, I, 
I liked it when he got off on the angle and he hit the water. So, like, there's one shot where, like, yeah, he hits the drop in the angle. And the car doesn't scrape for some reason, but he hits the water, throws a huge big spray, and, like, his front passenger side wheel isn't even touching. Like, Uh that's how sharp this angle is. He's just got, like, three wheels. Uh, Just, I I think it was the best Jim Connor ever. I don't, I, I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen, I think, four of them. And it's the best one I've seen yet. Yeah, it was a nice change of form because like one, two, and three were great, and then four and five was kind of like, am I? Okay, okay. And, and, and so having a new car and a new sort of thing and some new stunts, it was pretty awesome. Do you have anything to add, Mark? Well, I would if I had watched it. What? You loser! Immediately, I know, right? as, as soon as the podcast is over, that is your job. Watch Jim <laughs> I need to watch it. I need to. All um, right. You you are excused for 12 minutes of the day. Just watch that video, and you will be better for it. We're at 59 minutes. <laughs> hurry, hurry, hurry! All right, all right, I, all right. I, I I am really trying to keep this thing as close to an hour as possible, people. I promise. Um, Darren 007. Just out of curiosity, if you could bring anyone you want as a guest to the podcast live stream, who would you invite? Jay Leno. Let's go first. Jay Leno. Nice, nice choice. <laughs> Jay Leno. Good pick. Um. Oh God, I. I wouldn't even know where to start. I guess uh, Hennessy, the the John Hennessy. That's who I want to talk to. We might be able to make that happen. I think I can make that happen, actually. <laughs> um, I have four, but really only two. Um, Jerry Sein- Seinfeld would would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mostly be cool. because we could just love on Porsche. Um, or really anyone from Top Gear UK, but having Jeremy Clarkson on, I think, would be hilarious as hell. I think we would all just be outshined. Like, no, like, 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 totally. Maybe. I mean, I am quite charis- charismatic, but I just, I would love to have him on the show to have arguments about things, because I don't think me and him would agree on a lot of things, and I really want to get into just like big, awesome car guy arguments over like Aston versus Cadillac, you know, like the Vantage versus the new ATSV sort of stuff. Like, like, I just think that 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 would be fun. So, since we love the ATSV so much, let's jump into Own Drive Burn from Kirby91, who is hilarious because he says, "Okay, ATSV Coupe versus Lamborghini Huracan versus Ferrari 458. Just want to see how much you love the Caddy." You suck, Kirby. You suck. I'm going last on this one. Oh, that's no fair. You're going to let us get burned first. No, I'll go first. It's cool. Okay, you go. All right. All right. So, okay, so I, I, I like both the Ferrari and the Lamborghini, right? They're both really cool cars, and, you know, they both come with very huge, massive heritages that, you know, everyone loves and, and everything like that. But at the same time, they come with a lot of baggage. They're very expensive to maintain and run. Uh, you can't drive them anywhere because you get mobbed. You can't drive them anywhere because there's probably speed bumps that you can't get over. And um, you know they're just they're 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 kind of flashy. So out of the two, I like the Hurricane better. Uh, it's got more horsepower, and I think it looks really, really, really great. So I'm gonna burn the four five eight. I'm going to drive the Hurricane once, and then I'm going to drive the ATSV every day because you can. And no one's going to mob you. And it is relatively cheap to maintain and run. A lot cheaper to buy because it's not $230,000. And um, I can go to 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds. 
No, I'm glad you went first because now I feel okay with it. Um, yeah. I'm pretty much in the same path and pretty much for the exact same reasons. I don't want to have to maintain a Lamborghini or Ferrari for every 15,000 miles. You've got to take it into the shop and have $20,000 worth of tune-up work done and then bring it back for another couple thousand miles and you just do it all over again. So that said, I would have to, uh, depending on the 458, if I had a crack at the Special, I'll take that. The Special A, I'll take that to drive once. I'll burn the Hurricane only because it's the default. I have no choice. Uh, and I'll just drive the ATS all the time because it's a GM. I can fix it. I can, don't have to worry about you know, falling apart on me. And 3.9 seconds, I don't need to go to 60 any faster than that. <laughs> yes, you do. No, I don't. Launch control a GTR once, and you will instantly go, if no, no. I ever go for 60 in more than three seconds, my life is empty. Well... <laughs> That's why I won't ever drive a GTR because that I'll be I will be spoiled of cars. That's forever. the only reason to really get that to, to get a normal GTR is to experience launch launch control. Um, so uh, originally, so like, if it's just the Ferrari four five eight, this is if I can have the Special A, that makes it more difficult. Um, if well, since can, he didn't specify, let's just stick with the original. Right, so if it's a 458, I am going... So, okay, I'm going to pick the ATS-V to drive every day as my own, but not because I think it's amazing to see ATS-V. It is purely because it has three pedals. If the other go. cars here were available with three, three, three pedals, the ATS-V would not even be on the table. So I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. I love the new ATS-V, but it would be my drive once, except for the fact it has three pedals. So since it does have three pedals, I'm going to own it. I have already driven a Lamborghini. I've driven two of them. So even though I didn't drive a, a Hurricane, I've already been in a pair of V10 Lamborghinis, so that'll be off to the side, and I will drive once the Ferrari 458 because I've never driven a Ferrari. There you go. Okay. Fair enough. So originally it was going to be, uh, like, if it's the Special... Like, I'm going to keep, then I'm going to own the 458 Special A, because it's a 458 Special convertible, yes. Uh, but three pedals, three pedals will always win, win, win me over. So there you go, Cadillac. You've won me over with just the number of pedals you have. It doesn't matter how many horse, horsepowers, it's all about pedals. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show. Thank you for joining us and hanging out. Uh, don't forget, please send us your questions, comments, own drive burn suggestions. We like all those. Don't forget, I have all of these to give away. So that's happening. I have six Xbox 360, six PS3. So that's a that's 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 a thing. It's <laughs> the plastic makes it very very slippery. So that is a thing that's happening. Um, I dropped. Is that for Xbox One too? No, the. Current game is only for the last-gen systems. They're working on a F1 2015 that's coming out early next year instead of at the end of the season. It's coming out at the beginning of the season. Um, and that is going to be for new gen, gen, gen consoles, and they're actually going to update the game as the season goes along. So if partway through the season, Mercedes updates their aerodynamics package or there's a driver change or whatever, that's going to happen in the game. Cool. Okay. Just wanted to know. Yeah, so Xbox 360 and PS3 only, and there's a PC version, but I don't have any of those. That's what we've got to give to give away. Again, please, we need questions. We need own drive burn suggestions. Don't forget, we love you all because you're amazing. Um, thank you for hanging out with us this Thursday. 
please have a super awesome Friday, an incredible weekend, but stay safe, and we'll see you guys next week. Uh, do you boys have anything to add before we go? I'm good, man. Nope. You good? You good? I'm good, brother. All right. Well, then let's play some music, and we'll call it done for the day. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>